Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast. During prayer this morning, I was just seeing this massive tree growing up in the midst of the sanctuary. And I felt like the Lord was highlighting this verse because this is the verse of our house. It says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when he comes. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. So Father, I thank you, God. The foundation of this house, God, is trusting and hoping in the Lord God, no matter the trials and tribulations, the things that we face in this life, God, I ask for grace for each of our hearts to be established in trusting in you. God, you said the just shall live by their faith. The just shall live by faith alone. We thank you, God, that you have made it easy and simple Even if it doesn't feel easy at times, God, you have made it easy. Have faith in the strongest. Have faith in the wisest. Have faith in the one who loves more deeply than you can ever ask, think, or imagine. So God, today we extend our faith. We extend our hope and our trust in you today, God. I thank you, Jesus, that you promised us that you would never leave us. You would never forsake us that you would be with us even to the end of the age. So we, we give you glory today, God. Thank you for this promise, God. Let our house, let each individual here be established in this promise, that we are blessed as we trust in you, God, that we will bear fruit, that we will stay green and flourishing, oh God. We bless your name today, Father. Thank you. Jesus name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Grab your Bible, if you would, and uh, turn with me to Ephesians in chapter 5, and then um, Revelation in chapter 19. So Ephesians 5, Revelation 19. You guys could go ahead and grab that and and get those uh, spots opened up. I've been looking forward to sharing these things with you all week. I feel like God's put them hard and it's grateful. Last Sunday, um, I began uh, to preach on this. My title is The Glory of the Bridegroom and His Bride. Really started to stir in my heart to really get revelation and, and just really get in the Word and hear God's heart on uh, His identity as our bridegroom and what that means and um, so we're just going to look into that. So last week was the glory of the bridegroom and his bride, part one. This is the glory of the bride and his groom, part two. So I'm going to have you uh, read a little bit with me real quick. We broke this down in depth last week, but I want to read it again. It's foundational, Ephesians in chapter five. Again, there's a parallel here of a husband and his wife and what that union looks like. Um, and then um, to uh, Jesus as the bridegroom and the church, his bride. And so it's such a powerful passage of Scripture, one that really gives some of the greatest in-depth revelation of Jesus as our bridegroom and how he feels about you. So a lot of times we read over that and we get kind of focused on, okay, as a husband, I need to do this. As a wife, I need to do this in the natural realm of marriage. And we really miss, as even as Paul said, the whole focal point here in this passage, this revelation of understanding, this mystery of Jesus as the bridegroom and the church as his bride. So Matthew, sorry, Ephesians 5, let's just jump in here at verse 22. I'm going to read a few verses, and we're going to flip to Revelation 19. All right. Ephesians 5, 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church and is the Savior of the body. Verse 24. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ... 
so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. In verse 25, this really starts to dig in here. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he, Jesus, the bridegroom, might sanctify and cleanse her, the church, you, with the washing of water by the word. That is such a powerful, powerful statement. Verse 27, so that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Verse 28, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but watch what, but nourishes and cherishes it just as uh, Jesus does the church. That's so beautiful. Verse 30, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. Uh, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So we've read this, and yet, really, the depth of this whole passage of Scripture is about the bridegroom and his bride. It's about Jesus and his church. And so uh, I'm going to move ahead, but I'll say this. We we really dug into some pretty in-depth things in in regard to this passage last Sunday. So if you missed it, (coughs) I would encourage you to go back and listen to that and then add it to what the Lord's going to give you today. But this is kind of the foundation that we're coming off of. And uh, I I think above all, what I want you to see today is is just Jesus' heart as the bridegroom. This is going to be our emphasis today is Jesus' heart as a bridegroom. We're going to look at him as king, but Jesus' heart as bridegroom and just his heart and love for you. Now turn to Revelation in chapter 19, and then we're going to uh, jump in at verse 5 through 9, and then I'll, I'll start preaching. Revelation 19, beginning with verse 5. You got it? So a voice came from the throne uh, saying, praise, praise our God, all you his servants, and those who fear him, both small and great. It's a call to worship. Verse 6, and I heard it, I heard as it were, the voice of a great multitude is the sound of many waters and is the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. And then verse 7, let us be glad and rejoice, give him glory, For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Verse 9, then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are true sayings of God. Isn't that beautiful? And so... We're just diving in right now where God has us at. I just feel like he's just drawing us deeper and deeper and deeper into his heart. Uh, He's led us as a house to really dig into the Sermon on the Mount and really step into his purpose in that of us living out a kingdom lifestyle. It's so beautiful. The Lord really challenged me, and then as I was being challenged, I felt like he was, he, he was extending that to this whole body. So we started digging into it, and I challenged the church, Miss Julianne mentioned it, to read, uh, read the, the uh, Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, all three chapters. It's one continual message, but to read that every day. Uh, through October. So for 30 days is what we're into. So if you haven't done that, jump in today. I'm telling you, it will bless you. Every day you'll grow deeper and deeper and deeper, and you'll see more of his heart for you. But the greatest revelation in, in, in that whole sermon is Jesus' heart for his bride. Amen? And his instructions for us how to live in a way that we're representing and looking like the bride. And so I come out of that, and I really started just studying and digging in, and I kept on coming across these scriptures that talked about the bridegroom and his bride, and I just felt like the Lord started to put together. So uh, Revelation 19, the wedding of the Lamb is coming, and Jesus is returning for a prepared bride. Amen? He's returning for a prepared bride. I, I closed last week's message by, by the parable 
in Matthew, I think it's chapter 25, about the, the, the ten virgins, the five wise virgins, and the five foolish virgins, and the whole heart in that parable, the kingdom of heaven is light, and that we're in preparation to make sure that we're keeping uh, oil, right, that we're, we're receiving what we need to be receiving. We're coming under the bridegroom's leadership now as he's washing us with the word, and he's nourishing us and cherishing us, as it says in Ephesians 5 and 25 and 26, and so this is kind of this place that we're at right now, but with that understanding that, that he's coming, amen, and that letting banquet, right, it's already scheduled, man, like it's going to happen, and the beauty that, that the Lord brought out last week is that we live so much for our destiny now today in the things that we can do in the natural with our ministries or our jobs or so many different things, but man, if we could really grab a hold of this bridegroom message and understand that the bridegroom's got a destiny for you so much further and greater than anything you could ever experience on this earth. For eternity. And so, man, blessed are those who are there that take part of the marriage supper of the Lamb. And you and I know that right now we're in this place of him making his bride ready. So I'm going to dig into this just a little bit. So I just wanted to ask, a, a, here, here's my question I want to present to you and hopefully answer it. And you can dig in deeper because I can just scratch the surface on this and what time we have together. But, so I've been asking, then what is the, what's, the, what's the bridegroom message? Like, what's the message of the bridegroom? And so I just want to answer that real quick and, dig, and go in a little bit deeper, it seems. But it reveals who Jesus is as our bridegroom king. It is, it is our ultimate destiny as sons and daughters, as the church. And it's truly the revelation of our true identity in Christ. And what he's doing right now and what we should be doing with his help is being prepared for that, for that banquet. Amen? So the bridegroom message is a call to intimacy with God by encountering his heart and walking in partnership with him in a spirit of abandonment. Yeah. So just travel with me a little bit today because I'm gonna I'm gonna show you in just a little bit. I th I think we're I think we can rate we we I think we relate to Jesus as King, but I don't think we relate to Jesus as Bridegroom. And the level of intimacy that He calls us into is His bride for that relationship, and that's where Jesus has this church at in this season right now. And we're gonna say, Jesus, speak to our hearts. Help us to see what this thing looks like, amen? And I guess just, just this, you know, um, just this awareness that we're, when you really understand the bridegroom king and his message and who he is that, and what he's called us to enter into and how he's preparing, that it shouldn't be a casual relationship, Amen? So, Lord, lead us in a little bit deeper. So, he says, he says in here, uh, in what we read in Ephesians in chapter 5 in so many places, like, he says, I want you, I want you abandoned to me. Like, like, like if, you, if you've been in a season where you, where you felt like it's just been boring, but you, you, you worship because you know he's worthy. You read your Bible because you know you need to. You go to church because you know you're supposed to or this or that. But if you've been in a season of, of, of like a desert season or wilderness season or this or that. And, but I'm, I'm telling you, he's called us into relationship a whole lot deeper than that. It should never be boring. Prayer time should never be boring. Time in His Word should never be boring. Worshiping as a community should never be boring. It should become more and more and more exciting if we're entering into it as the bride to the bridegroom with intimacy in our heart and experiencing His heart because as we do, every time we're with Him and walk with Him, more of Him is going to be revealed. And the love just gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And the hunger and the fire and the passion. Amen? Come on, guys. He's like, I want you to, I want you to love me with, with all your heart because I love you with all my heart. Like, that's the relationship that he's called us into. And that's this bridegroom uh, message. There's a, there's a mutual abandonment at the core of the bridegroom message. He's like, he's saying, I want all of you because I've given all of me. Right? 
Like I, and we would get this because it's a, it's a whole lot easier serving Jesus in total abandonment than it is partial abandonment. I'm just telling you. Like everything that would keep us in that place is a lie. But man, if you would just get totally abandoned and pour your heart into his heart. And, and like he's saying here, man, I want, I want all of you because I've given all of me. I want you with me forever in total partnership. Like that's his prayer in John 17, right? Like that's what he's praying to the Father. Lord, that they, that, that they be one with me as I am with you and that they be where I am, it says in there. It's such a beautiful revelation of his heart for us. So he's like, man, Jesus said, I'm all in, and I want you all in, wholehearted love. That's the, that's the bridegroom message. That's where he's calling us to. He knows we get distracted. When, even when he was talking to Israel, you know, uh, the children of Israel, you know, he, 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 through scriptures, he constantly was telling them, don't, don't forget who got you where you're at. Don't, who, don't forget who's with you. Don't, don't get distracted. Don't get to the left and to the right. Amen. And, and I feel like it's his heart for us today, an awakening in the church is, I'm all in and I want you all in. I want your wholehearted love. Like, again, that's the bridegroom message. This is what Paul is revealing here in Ephesians 5 for us as the, as the bride to the bridegroom. And it's a call to intimacy. And ultimately, it's a countering. It's an encountering his emotions and his heart. So I was thinking about, about that and being drawn into him and encountering him and not just learning about him, not just learning who he was or what he did, but really the bridegroom message is truly encountering Jesus, man, where you are truly like wholeheartedly in depth love and close in him and walking in your journey, man. Like your hearts are linked together. And I love this because in 1 Corinthians in chapter 2, in verse 9 and 12, it says, it says, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has repaired for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Watch this. That we might know, and where it says no, it's the word experience. So it's that we might know and experience the things that have been freely given to us by God. The Holy Spirit will begin to reel. The more you press in, the Holy Spirit will reveal the deep things of God, the heart of God, the heart of Jesus, His emotions for you, His affections for you, and it'll just continue to pull you in. It's never, it's never going to be exhausted. Every time, he, He'll like take off a layer, and He takes off a layer. He's like, man, I want to pray more tomorrow. I want to read more tomorrow. I'm going to worship longer tomorrow. I want to be obedient more, because that love just keeps drawing us in and in and in, and this is the heart, really, of this passage, man. Like, the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to us these deep things of God. God's heart. How extravagant is that? So it's not just that we learn knowledge of the scripture, but, but yet truly with the spirit of God in us, he's going to reveal the deep things of his heart. Man. So as I talk about, as I talk about encountering his heart this morning, I'm talking about encountering Jesus's emotions. I'm going to talk about encountering Jesus' emotions, his affections, and his love for us. Amen? And uh, you, you, you're, all, you're, you're going to be always leaning into something new and being filled with wonder. Amen? With him as you pursue him wholeheartedly. I think, just slow down. You were created, like your purpose is to live in intimacy with the bridegroom. Like that's our that's our primary purpose every one of us is to grow and experience and lean into intimacy with Jesus. And he desires that. He wants that from from you. Amen. So so I've kind of answered the question, what is this bridegroom sermon? Now I want to I say, 
that it starts with experiencing his heart. It starts with his emotions and his affections. And, and, and just this understanding that, that um, Jesus doesn't want you just to know about him. He wants you to experience him. And he's not, he's not uh, a, a, a God who just has power, that he's truly a God who has affection and he's got deep emotion and he has deep desire. Come on. Like he has deep, deep desire. It's all pure. And um, I kind of I don't have time for this, but I, I feel like I want to make a statement because, because there's so much junk out there that you hear today. But <clears throat> I, think, I think we struggle sometimes with this revelation this bridegroom message because we struggle with the language because the language in the intimacy of the bride and the bridegroom we are relating to the only thing that we know in the natural right and in affection that we show to one another or as a husband and a wife and this and that but um and so i always want to say uh You were created to live in intimacy with him, encounter and experience his heart. It's his desire for you, and nothing will fulfill you like him. And his word from beginning to end speaks of nothing but intimacy. Now, just a side note for us as a church, because there's so much junk out there today. There's, there's nothing. God is holy. He is God, and he is holy. There's nothing about our relationship with the bridegroom in this book from front to back that is sensual in any way. Okay? It's intimate. It's affectionate. Um... He gives us desire for him to pursue him, to be with him, this and that. But it wasn't long ago I was studying something, and man, the junk that I found out there that they t- that took scriptures of, uh, out of out of order uh, to promote homosexuality or this or that. You got to understand, and 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 even the word intimacy. I remember years ago, years ago, years ago, I was preaching about intimacy with God, and and after after I was done preaching that day, there's just a sweet older lady. She'd been here for a good while, but she said, Pastor Scott, I really don't like using the word intimacy in in relation to God and behind the pulpit, and I'm like. Why? Like, I get it, but in the natural, right, there's just a mindset of what intimacy looks like in the flesh. But, what, but that, what all that's doing is robbing the intimacy that he's called us into to live with him. Let me tell you what, he's an intimate God. He's an affectionate God. He's a God of desire. He desires you. He wants to be with you. He wants to, you to love him the way he loves you. Amen. So we step into this message of, of, the, of, the, uh, of the identity of the bride and the bridegroom. And we do that knowing, and even, even I, love, I love Song of Solomon. And my wife, she does an amazing job teaching the Song of Solomon. And there's such beauty in there. And it, it is. It is fully a representation of Christ's love for his bride. Amen? But nowhere in there is that to ever be taken in a sensual way. We good? I mean, I feel like everybody knows that, but I do know that there's stuff out there today, and so I just kind of wanted to bump into that, and then yet we need to, we need to grow and dig in deeper to that relationship with him. Amen? We're, we were, think about this, we were made in his image. We desire. We have affection. We have emotion. All these things. So just understanding um, that he has these deep affections. He has deep emotions. He has these deep desires. Okay. So I want to take a moment and um, uh, and I, I just want to share a little bit about about the bridegroom. Uh, obviously, I, I'm only just going to give a few. But as we talk about him, as we talk about him as the bridegroom. Um, uh, and, and just some of his nature and what the scripture reveals about his heart, okay? So I'm just going to share a few, a few things with you about that if I can. One is this. So here's one. 
uh, thing about your bridegroom. He is full of affection for you. He is full of affection for you. So Jesus feels the intensity of love for us that the Father feels for him. It's one of, the, one of the most amazing things to have him open up in your heart and in your mind. It says in John 15, 9, listen, I'm talking about the bridegroom and how he feels about you. And we, 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 we live in this room of knowing that, you know, Jesus is love and Jesus loves me. But, guys, he's calling us into a whole greater revelation than that. And so he says in, in, in John 15, 9, it says, As the Father loved me, this is Jesus preaching, speaking, he says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Isn't that powerful? So I'm talking about how affectionate Jesus is and how in his affection for you, that he loves us with his all, and he wants this. He wants this and desires this from us, right? Like this, this reality just absolutely blows my mind. The the depth, the depth of his love for us. If we could, if we could grasp the intensity of his love and affection for us, it would, it would, it would change our life. Truly, truly it would change our life. And so here's one of the most powerful scriptures to me. And um, Lori messaged me a couple days ago. I don't know if she was in her in her pastoral class. I don't know if it was a question that was asked that she had to answer or maybe it was in her. I don't know where the question came from, but out of the blue, I'm doing my wifely duties and cleaning the house and doing the laundry, which bless you wives. And uh, she sends me this texture, and she says, "What's our what's our life go? What's our life go? What's our life ministry? What's our what's our core scripture verse or this or that?" I I'm, I'm messing that all up, but you get the point. And as soon as she said it, I knew instantly. I mean, I didn't have to think about it. I just bam, I typed it out. It was Ephesians. It's in part of what I'm giving. It's Ephesians 3, 18 and 19. It's that you being ground. This is like Paul's heart for the believers and for the people. And this is my heart mission and everything that I do. And what we want to do as a church is that we lead people into the depth of the revelation of Jesus' love and affection and emotion for them. And that's what Paul is saying here in Ephesians 3, 18, 19. It says that you being grounded and rooted in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. To know the love which is affection of Christ that passes knowledge. And then it makes this powerful statement that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So amazing. To know his affections, his love, in all four dimensions is to experience his affections, his love, in all dimensions. Height, length, width, depth, all these things that he's calling us into. This is such an important and powerful passage. And this is why he finishes here. And he says, because experiencing his love His affection is the pathway to being filled with all the fullness of God. So so he's praying here that we would be grounded and rooted, right, and be able to comprehend with all the saints the four dimensions of his love, to know the love and affection that he has for us because it's through that revelation and it's through not just knowing that Jesus loves me and having these songs memorized, but truly experiencing the depth of the bridegroom's love for you. This, my friends, is what the Scripture says that you then may be filled with all the fullness of God. So it is the revelation of encountering the bridegroom's heart affections for us, man, that that will open us up and lead us into the pathway of experiencing the fullness of God. Without that, you're just going to have head knowledge, and you're not going to be wholehearted. Wholeheartedness comes out of fully encountering the wholehearted king, bridegroom, come on, that gave all for you. And then it just continues to, to open up and open up and open up all through our journey and, and process with him. It's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. This is why, this is why, and kind of put this together real quick, but this is why Jesus sanctifies and cleanses us, cleanses us with the washing of water by the word in Ephesians 5.26. I cleanse and I purify 
my bride with the washing of the water, preparing them, preparing my bride. Come on, for the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then, and then you, you just put this together here with Ephesians 3, 18 and 19. It's important because His Word reveals His love and affection for us, and it draws us near to Him. So it's like we're being washed. But, but know this, this is so important. You, you'll never enter into the fullness of God without growing hand in hand in the understanding of, of his love and affection for you. Experiencing it. Come on. Secondly, one's his affection for you. Number two is he is a he's anointed with gladness. I'm just I'm just taking some things I feel like you guys know and I'm helping us to get a glimpse of Jesus this morning. Is that okay? I, we just, I just want us to see him this morning. So I want, I want us to see his affection and, and his love and his desire for us. And then I, I, want, and then I want us to see him in light of, of as a bridegroom, that he is anointed with gladness. Now, th- this is important because many people through church history have this idea that God is mostly sad or mad when he relates to you and like you get on his nerves when you call his name. Amen? Now, there may be some people in our lives that when they call us or text us, we kind of take a deep breath and be like, oh. But I know one, as an earthly father, my children have never messaged me and called me and me, and me going, ah, oh, come on. And, and that's just a small glimpse of how the Father feels about us and the love that Jesus has for you. And he is filled with gladness and he wants to hear from you. So this, this, this view that people have is just so not true. It says in Psalm 1611, it says in the present, th- this will help you go to the Lord in prayer when you, when you can truly see Jesus for who he is. Can I say he's happy today? There's a lot going on, and his heart's for Israel and what's happening and then around the world, but he's happy. He's covered with gladness. And so in Psalm 1611, it says, In his presence is fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Isn't that amazing? That he, the epicenter of joy and true pleasure come out of his heart and of his throne. Like, that's who we're approaching. That's our bridegroom, man. That's who's, that's who's coming after us. This is his heart for us. The joy, as Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's his joy. Hebrews 1.9 says that God has anointed Jesus with the oil of gladness. Isn't that amazing? Like, he is, he's, he's never overwhelmed. He's never overwhelmed. That's a picture. He's never overwhelmed with, with judgment or negativity or what's going on, man. You know, this is him. He is good. He is filled with gladness. And in his presence is fullness of joy. So he is the very epicenter of joy. Epicenter of joy. That's your Savior. That's your bridegroom. Amen. And it's so amazing. We need a revelation of the joy and the gladness of our bridegroom. His affection, his emotion and desire, his love for you, that he's anointed with gladness. And then I wanted to talk with you a minute about how he delights over you. Isn't it kind of hard sometimes to think that he delights over us? Especially us because we know us. Like I can see him delighting over Tammy. But then sometimes like, oh, he's delighting over me. He delights over you. Isn't that amazing? In Exodus, uh, I'm going to come to that in a minute. In, uh, uh, let me, can I just say this about that? What, what's that reveal? He wants to be with you. He just always wants to be with you. He's, just, he's always saying, come on, bride. Come here, son and daughter. Come on. Come on, be with me. Spend time with me. Let's talk. Let me love on you. Let me pour my heart. Let me pour my affection. Let me pour my emotions over you. Come on. Like that's what that this is this is just his heart. He delights in you and he wants to be with you. It says in Psalm chapter 18 and verse 19, it says, He delivered me. It says, He delivered me because he delighted in me. Isn't that awesome? 
What's that say? He didn't just deliver you so you wouldn't have to go to hell. He delivered you because he loves you. He delivered you because you're his heart, man. He delights in you. Psalm 149 and verse 4 says, For the Lord takes pleasure in his people, and he will beautify the humble with salvation. The Lord takes pleasure in his people, and he will beautify the humble with salvation. It says in Isaiah 62 and 5, As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Isn't that cool? He rejoices over you. He's taken this delight in you. Like one of the, and I feel like, again, one of the reasons we struggle with this is because we don't like ourselves. So, how can we be like, man, how does he then delight in me? And that, man, I just want you to know today, man, he, he loves you so much. He delights in you. And when you get this, when you get this bridegroom reality, message in your life and who you are as his bride, you know, we'll live repentful when we sin, we'll live with the heart of wanting to always draw near to him, but when we fall, when we fail, when we're short, when we're struggling, when you understand how much he delights in you and his heart affection for you, you won't feel like you've got to run from him, you always want to run to him. He will always be the safest one that you can run to no matter what you've gone through no matter what you've done in your life, man. Isn't that amazing? And the one thing the enemy wants you to do is to keep you running from the one that can pour the greatest depth of love in you and change your life. And that's where he comes in pouring guilt and shame. And, man, you can't worship today because of what you watched yesterday or what you did or what happened and this and that. And I'm like, man, we need to get a revelation of the bridegroom identity and his heart for his bride and how much he loves us. Not only for ourselves, but listen, because it's only in that place that we can truly love and support the rest of the bride. And if I can just drop a little bit more in here just real quick, I, I'm not, haven't thought this through just yet, but one of the things I was thinking about this week is how the bride's not for me. But yet in so much church culture today, the church is for us. The church is for the bride. The church is there to serve us. The church is there to serve me. The church is there to serve my need. And then yet, yet there's, a, there's some reality in that, that he uses the fullness of his bride, right? Like, again, it's like, maybe, maybe to look at it like we're all, we're, all the, we're all his bride, and then yet together we're all bridesmaids for one another. We don't look at it like that. We look at it like I'm his bride. So, Tammy, you need to just make sure you're serving me all the time because do you know who I belong to? And the reality of that is, is, is we're for him. We're his bride. We better be careful what we're trying to draw from his bride. Does that make sense? So what are we supposed to be doing? Morgan, I don't know. I've never been a bridesmaid. But I've been around a lot of them, and it seems to me like, like they, they, they're given fully devoted attention and care to preparing that bride. seems to me like they're walking behind her, and they're helping to make sure the dress is out. They're doing her makeup. Come on, man. They're ironing stuff and making sure everything. They're helping get the bride fully ready. And if we could just somehow learn how to step into this identity of, the, of, the, of his bride and that we're all in it, come on, but, then, but, but yet we're not, we're, we're not so selfish that we're just expecting the bride to serve us because the bride is for him, and then yet still as the bride that we're serving his bride and meeting the needs of his bride to beautify it and perfect it for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Isn't that good? Anywho, I just thought I'd share that with you. I just kind of had to probably go back and work on that just a little bit. But this this week, that's kind of on my heart. Isn't he so good? Um, he, he delights and takes pleasure in you. Um, I, I want to say, drop this out there too, but I feel like we need to get this, we need to get this language in our mouths. We need to get this language in our, in, in our, in our life when we're, when we're talking to the Lord because, because that's, when it, that's when it washes you. 
Jesus says, I'm preparing my bride. I'm nourishing her. I'm cherishing her with the washing of the water. Come on. And so, so to understand this bridegroom message and his heart as the bridegroom and his love and then getting that inside of us today, his affection, his emotion, his desire, um, how much he delights for us, all these different things, and then, and then stepping into this identity of, of the bride to the bridegroom and what he's preparing us for, and that ultimately is our life destiny in eternity, man, and it's, it's going to be so far beyond what we can comprehend, but we just need to, I feel like, get this in us, because again, as we do, and we get it in us, and then we begin to speak it, then it begins to wash over us. It's like speaking it out. Lord, you delight in me. Like, when was the last time that you just said, Lord, you delight in me? I, I, I drive down the road, I'm like, Lord, I'm a mess. And he's like, I know you're a mess, and I delight in you. And I don't want you to stay in your mess, but I delighted you, and I love you, and I'm pursuing you. Come on, man. I want you to get so, so, so entangled in my heart with your heart. I'm going to purify you. I'm going to reveal myself to you, depths you've never seen before. And as you receive that, and it says in Ephesians uh, there in verse 19, that then we'll begin to step into the fullness of God. So we just need to begin to speak the reality of this over our lives and our families and one another. He delights in you. Lord, you delight in me. Lord, you take pleasure in me. Like you like being with me. Isn't that awesome? I don't even like being with me sometimes. But it's like, man, he, de- he delights in you. And, and we just, so we just begin to speak these things out. You take pleasure in me. You nourish and you cherish me, if, according to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26 and 27. Lord, you're nourishing and you're cherishing me. You are, you are my bridegroom king. And then we begin to take the revelation of his affection, his love, his desire, his heart, his purity, his calling, his longing for us. And then we begin to step into that. That, that bridegroom identity in us as his bride. Amen. And here's one that messes with people all the time. I remember one Wednesday night years ago, many years ago, 10, 15 years ago or longer, because you guys know I can't remember time frames. But someone was teaching on Wednesday night. It wasn't even me. So I, I was safe. But whoever it was teaching that Wednesday night, and there was a lady here. She had only been here maybe two or three times. I really didn't know her just yet. But in the teaching, um, whoever it was mentioned that God's a jealous God. And she just stood up right that very moment and said, not nice things. And that is not, God is not a jealous God. Jealousy is a sin. And went on this thing as she was walking out the door. Bless her heart. And then I can't remember what happened from there. I was just thinking, I am so glad that I'm not teaching tonight. That's what, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm like, whoo. And as the pastor, like, I'm like, I'm just going to the restroom real quick. That way no one's looking at me like, how are you going to handle this now, Scott? But, but uh, can I give you one of the most beautiful revelations of the bridegroom? He's jealous for your heart. Come on. This, will, this message will change the heartbeat of this house if we really dig into it. How we press into him, our obedience, everything being driven by love, how we serve one another. He is jealous for your heart, for your wholehearted devotion to him. So here's a few scriptures in case that situation would ever happen to you. You can take him to the word. But in Exodus 34 and 14, it says, You shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is jealous, whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. In James chapter 4, in verse 4 and 5, it says, Friendship with the world is enmity with God. So whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That's intense, isn't it? Like that verse, that's intense. So, so we take out of this that he is jealous for our heart, because he loves us so much. He's, he, he, is, he is jealous that we would enter into the fullness of his love because he wants the best for you. His jealousy isn't for him. His jealousy is for you. And it's for you to step in, receive, and live in all that he has for you as the bridegroom. 
This, this just shows the, again, it just shows the depth of his love and commitment for you. He is, he is so jealous that he'll come after us. He will, he will contend for our hearts fiercely because you are his and he is unrelenting. Jesus is fully committed and fully devoted. Come on. And he wants the same, the same wholehearted devotion for, um, from us. That's what he's called us into. I'm just trying to get us a glimpse of this Jesus that we're serving and fall in love with him so we're not getting distracted. Where Life isn't becoming about us and our wounds and our desires and our hearts or what we like, and then we end up thinking that we're rich but we're poor. Amen? Revelation chapter 3, right? And so God stirred, let this burn in our hearts. Let, I look at these children, these young people that are down here every day, and I, I'm so grateful that they've encountered him and that they're hungry and they're receptive when we're preaching and we're teaching and in their worship. I know their moms and dads are sowing the word into them, and I, but I just think, man, all over this house, let our children, I want our children and our grandchildren to encounter the bridegroom king. Like, I don't want them to just know about him and then and then don't a list of don'ts to, to not do so that you can be good enough to then earn merit to be with him. Like, like we understand all of that in obedience. But I'm saying I want them to encounter Jesus' heart. Because then it's not a to-do list, it's just a love list. And then they understand, and they walk in their identity. Like I think of little Jarek up here during worship this morning. I'm holding him, and I'm like, man, God, I want him to know. I, I, I want Jarek to know that Jesus delights in him. Like he delights in Like I delight in Jarek. I can't wait to be around Jarek and Isla and my grandkids and my kids most of the time. But I, I delight in them. And when J-Rake walks around on Sunday mornings during worship and he holds his hands up, I'm like, thank you, God. This is just it. I don't want to let him go. I do not want to let him go. I do not want to let him go. I can't be around him enough. And, and, and there's, I don't have the capacity to desire and love him the way that God does us. So for our children and our grandchildren and us to live in that reality of, of Jesus' love and heart for us and that jealousy that burns in him and how unrelenting he is in his pursuit of us and just knowing that he is fully committed. Isn't it beautiful? Um, <clears throat> Those are just a few things. That reveal his heart for you, his love, affection, joy, and gladness. He delights for you, and he, he's jealous. He's jealous for you. So now I'm going to try these two things together a little bit. You guys good? And I'll wrap up here, but try, try, to, try, to, try, to, try to catch this uh, here if you, if you can. So stay with me for just a moment. Jesus is our bridegroom king. He is our bridegroom king. He is king of kings and he's lord of lords, Revelation chapter 17, what verse 14 and other places. So we know that he's king of kings, we lord of lords. We know that he's been given all authority. But he's the bridegroom preparing his bride. Matthew 25, Ephesians 5, Revelation chapter 19, Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. I mean, it's all, it's all just in there. So, so I feel like this is where I want us to learn as a church and grow as a church in our view of, of the Lord and, and how we pursue him and the, and, the, and the identity that we see him in because he's king and he's bridegroom. He is our bridegroom king. Amen? And so I, I think I mentioned earlier, but I think, I think it has been easier for the church to relate to him as king, um, especially for us men because we're just macho and we're men. And we just, I, I think for a lot of men it's been difficult to take on the identity maybe as the bride because we just related in the natural to like a man and a woman and the masculinity and the bride and this and that and blah, blah. And again, man, we need to, we need to get outside of our natural thinking. Amen? Because 
he is calling us into this. And he is king, but yet he is also the bridegroom. And it is such a powerful, powerful revelation when, when, we, when we can truly, truly, truly uh, step into this uh, in, our, in, our, in our lives. Amen? So, we, I, I, again, I think we struggle with it to a degree and, uh, uh, in this reality of the church being the bride of Christ. But, but, man, guys, our identity as his bride is found in his identity as the bridegroom. It's not in his identity as the king. It's in his identity as the bridegroom. So when we don't have a full revelation of him as the bridegroom, we're not going to have a full revelation of us as his bride. Does that make sense? Okay. So Lord, help me. So let me share some things with you about, about this maybe. But Jesus is a bridegroom king. He's king with all power, and he's bridegroom with desire. So he's king with power, he's bridegroom with desire and emotions and affection, and his desire for his bride. By nature, this will help you, and you go home and think about this, but by nature, he's bridegroom, and by position and function, he's king. I'm going to say it again. So by nature, Jesus is bridegroom. And that's our ultimate destiny, to be with him forever as the bride of Christ. By position and function, he is king. Being king describes what he does, and being the bridegroom describes his heart and his being. It's so good, guys. I don't know about you, but he needs to be your king because he needs to be Lord. Right? So he needs to be Lord. There's the abandonment part of it. But I feel like if we've got any area to grow in, it is the area of the identity of becoming the bride of Christ to the king, the bridegroom king, and understanding the encounter that we can have in his heart through this. Amen? Because he is a bridegroom in his heart, and he is a king in position and authority. He is a bridegroom in how he sees you, and he is a king in position and authority. Come on. It's power and intimacy. The bridegroom who rules as a king. So let's take that, and I'll finish with this. What's our response to that? What's our response to that? What's, what's our response to his identity as, as, the, as, the, as the bridegroom and ours as the bride? It says in... It says in um, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, it says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And, his, and it says this, it says, And his wife has made herself ready. So let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. The bride's response is to give her wholehearted obedient and love to him. It's total abandonment. Like this is what Jesus is calling, and this I feel like what we, we don't always get as the church. We, we want to give our, our, ourselves halfway and partially, and, and no way does that work in the supernatural. That doesn't even work in the natural. No, no relationship is going to be fully healthy and receive all that God intended for it too if there's not, if there's not a mutual total abandonment and commitment. And so when we really get this message as the bridegroom king, man, it'll, it'll, it'll change your desires. It'll change how you approach him. It'll, it'll change how you uh, uh, view how he sees you. It'll, it'll, it'll lead you into the, the, the four dimensions of his love that the, will then result in living in the fullness of who he is. And, and, man, it's just so good and powerful. But, man, his heart is for us to love him and pursue him with all of our heart. He says in he said in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24 he says if anyone desires to come after me then let him deny himself and take up his cross That's abandonment that's not living for yourself or living for your flesh or living for your own flesh to die. Man, that is saying, Jesus, you're my main thing. You're my one thing. You're all that matters. I'm going to seek you, pursue you. You lead me, and God, whatever you want to do, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm stepping into that. But we take up our cross, we follow him. 
It's like Jesus speaking as the bridegroom king calls for loyal love, for loyal love, to have nothing in our life before him and to be fully invested in him uh, by, by your love. I thought about this. Uh, the, the highest reward of true love is found in possessing the ability to love more. The highest reward of true love is found in possessing the ability to love more. It's what he's called us into. Just keeps flowing. We're called to be wholehearted, in love, with no reservation, fully abandoned in our pursuit of Jesus. I'll close with this thought. Amen. The bridegroom, king. Amen? Bridegroom, king. He's king, and he's the bridegroom. He's all power and all authority, and he's all love and affection and desire for his bride. If you want to know what's on Jesus' heart today, you're on Jesus' heart. I promise you that Jesus is looking forward to to the marriage banquet. I guarantee that he's looking forward to that. There, there was a, I was reading in, in that passage in, in Ephesians about marriage, and I don't know if you guys ever caught this, but <clears throat> I slowed down, and this kind of stuck out to me. But in that, in that, in that passage, in, in, uh, I can't remember what verse it is, but it's Ephesians chapter 5, so it's in 25 or 26, I think, but he talks about how, he, how he's preparing his bride with the washing of the water through the word. And, uh, but then he says this. He says that I might present her to myself, a glorious church. So Jesus says, I'm, 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 I'm taking care of, I'm nurturing, I'm cherishing, I'm preparing my bride by the washing of the water through my word. And then this, he says, that I might present her to myself. Now, I just stopped for a minute because this is how my brain works. And I thought, typically, traditionally, the groom doesn't present the bride to himself. Like traditionally, it's the father or a grandfather or a brother, but it's someone that has been, that has invested into that bride's life. It's someone that has poured into her. She is special to them. Come on, man. And, and they, they, there's been a cost even in their life. And so it's going to be someone like that. And I said, usually it's the father because you girls put us through some stuff. There's a high level of a commitment for us in your lives as fathers. So traditionally, that's how it happened. And then the father then would present the bride to the groom. Now, Jesus said, I love my church so much. I love my bride. I am nursing her, and I'm cherishing her, and I'm preparing her by the washing of the water through my word that I might present her to me. I'm going to get her ready, and I'm going to present her to myself. You know why? Because no one, no one has poured more into your life than Jesus has. If there's anyone to give you away, it's him. His commitment to you is beyond anyone else's commitment. you got to get in that word and get that revelation. Because, again, it just reveals his desire for you. Jesus is going to let someone else give you away because no one has done for you what he's done for you. He's going to get you ready. You're going to be beautiful. It's going to be through the washing of the water through his word. And it's not just going to be hearing a word or sitting through a class. But you've got to receive the word, believe the word, and then begin to declare your word. Can I just say something? Even about this message today, there is something powerful about speaking out his word. That's when it truly washes you. Like I can hear it, but once I receive it in my heart, and then I go home, and then I'm like, Yeah, God, I believe that. You do love me, that Jesus, you do love me. And then I just, with my own voice, I begin to say, Jesus, you delight in me. Jesus, you love me. Jesus, you are preparing me. Jesus, one day you're going to present me to yourself. And there's something that begins to change your identity when you speak those words out, and that word washes you. Amen. Which the whole purpose of that is for him. To be with him for eternity.
But I just, I just can't get over how much he loves me. Seriously. And so I finish with this. And, but when I, when I read that uh, passage of Scripture, Matthew 25, about the ten virgins, when a, when a preacher preaches about the kindness of the Lord and the love of the Lord and his devotion and his delight, what shouldn't happen is for us to say, man, I'm so special to him. He understands me. He knows me. He's going to forgive me for my sin, for my weaknesses, for the things that I just let in my life because he's just so kind. He's just going to be patient with me, kind of like, you know, boys will be boys or whatever. And I'm like, you, you, missed, the whole, you missed the whole point of this sermon. Because when you get this message and you get the revelation of his love, you're not going to want to do anything but get closer to him and become more like him. And you're going to come under that understanding of how much he loves you. And then when you open up that Bible, you open up your, your, your scripture, it's not just going to be a history lesson. It's going to be, he, he is the word. The word is Jesus in print. And that is there because he wants, to, he wants you to step into it. And he wants to wash it over you. He wants to mold you and shape you through it into your identity as the bride. And if you begin to step into this, you'll begin to declare these things, that he is the bridegroom king and his love and his affection and his desire and that he's not mad, that he's happy, happy that he's the epicenter for joy and all these things. It'll begin to change your perception of him and it'll, it'll completely remodel your prayer room. It'll remodel your prayer room. Come on. I don't know about you, but I feel like our prayer rooms need some remodeling, don't they? And so I'm going to have you stand with me. Craig wants to come up and play. I'm going to uh, open up this altar for just a, just a moment. And I think probably next week I'm going to be coming back and, and sh sharing some things uh, now from the Sermon on the Mount, if that's how the Holy Spirit leads me. But uh, I, I pray as a church that you, you grasp the message of, of the bridegroom king because it's a powerful one and that we begin to see him we begin to see his heart and then we begin to see his authority his position and what he does as king so I'm going to ask you just to bow your head for a second I just want to pray and then Craig will lead us in worship for just a moment. And if you need prayer this morning, I would just invite you to come and stand. If you want someone to pray with you, you can come and stand and someone will pray with you. Or if you just want to come and kneel, then let them just be alone with the Lord. But man, can we just, can we just um, get captivated by his heart and his relentless pursuit of us today? Can we, can we step into then his calling for us? to live in total abandonment towards him not out of duty not out of strive not not out of trying to earn his affection you already have all of that but just because we are so full of his love the only the only thing that we can do is pour that love right back it's just natural because we're just living in that place of intimacy with him so let me pray this over you father i just thank you for this church family I thank you for the revelation of your word. I thank you for washing us in your word. We thank you, King Jesus. You are King of kings and you are Lord of lords. You have all authority and all power. And we truly, truly, truly submit to your lordship as a church. We ask that you lead us, that you guide us. And then this morning, Lord, I pray that as a church family, as a body, that we learn how to fully step into your identity as a bridegroom, that we live with expectation and excitement for the marriage supper of the Lamb, that we do that within the understanding that you are still preparing your bride, that we are still being prepared, we're still being nourished, we're still being cherished, we're still being clean. But God, let, let, that be our, let that be what drives us. We know that that's going to be the greatest event of our life. So let us live as a bride 
that is committed to you. Let us live as a bride that's devoted to you. Lord, I pray that we don't have any other lovers. I pray that we don't put anything else above you. I pray that we don't do anything to that would sacrifice that relationship with you, that would hurt you. Lord, we want to be totally devoted. Lord, you show us in your word. You are all in. God, awaken it in this church for your people to get all in, God. Let them get all in. Let them get all in. Let them not hold back in any way. Let them be fully devoted, fully committed, fully full of passion and love and desire to encounter you more and more and more and more that they can live in the fullness of you, God. So bridegroom, king, we recognize your identity in our life, us as your bride. And we say, get us ready. In the spirit and the bride say come and the spirit and the bride say come they say come thank you Jesus for revealing who we are to you let us step in this bridegroom message to understand in a greater level who you are to us and we ask it in Jesus name amen, amen. let's worship for just a second you feel free to come for prayer if you'd like to how he loves us so Give the Lord a praise offering. Thank you for his word. Bless you guys. All you young people on spring break, I just pray you enjoy your time together on spring break and fall break. I, I, uh, I send you out with a high level of encouragement to hear what the Lord has challenged this church to do in reading. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 every day. I, I really encourage you, step into it. He told us to do it for a reason. I've been doing it for way longer than October, and every time I just keep grabbing more and more. He has us there for a reason in that place. Amen. And this Wednesday, I think I'll be covering the last three Beatitudes, and then we'll step deeper into that sermon. So love y'all. Have an awesome day. Great week. Bless you. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time, 